Well, here we are, kind of the middle of summer, uh, figuring out what's next. Hopefully you've had a chance to, to burn some of that paid time off. <clears throat> but you know, we, we live in a crazy world. Uh, lots of stuff going on. Where, uh, wh- I mean, what do we blame it on? Is it, is it our culture? Is it there's just more things to do now than there, than there used to be? Is the crazy train of, uh, is it a result of, of instant information, news, and everybody's opinion? The new currency must be constant stimulation. Well, our graphic up here, for the, those of you who are musical in, in, the, in the room, you, you get this, right? For the rest of us, do you, do you know what this is? It's a rest, right? Some, some people <coughs> you know, understand how that music is written, and, and for me, I, I don't call myself a musician. I'm, I'm more of a drummer. Um, for those of you who are drummers, I'm not trying to crack on you. Just saying we're drummers, we're not musicians. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I've probably offended three people so far today, so I apologize to all of you. The, the rests, they're, they're those little uh, specific pauses between the notes that don't distinguish between the range of the note, but it distinguishes between the notes. And for some of us, it might mean the difference between noise and music. It's a simple evaluation. The rests help separate the music from the noise. I think for a lot of us in the room, uh, our life may look a little more like crazy pace, rushing from one thing to the next thing with a look on your face that screams, I missed the last thing, and we just can't keep up. I think it may be in your notes, but there's a guy named Kerry Newhoff. He's a pastor in Canada that uh, writes blogs, and he's just really an interesting read. He said, like money, social media is a great servant but a horrible master. I think we live in an age where we're infected <laughs> with information. And I was talking to somebody uh, over the last few weeks as I've been doing research and thinking through, and uh, I said, you know, I, this isn't the problem. I think this is miracle grow. <laughs> you know, whatever you've got going on inside you that's looking for something to do, gets a hold of one of this, one of these things, and this is going to be happy to tell you what to do or give you a thousand choices. Well, I want to start today with the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Now, a a little bit of context, Paul was writing to uh, a church in Corinth, was a huge metropolitan city, I mean, libraries, Indoor plumbing, running water. This is not like bedrock. This is, a, this is a big city. And because it was a big city, it was on the port, it had influence of all these people that were coming and going, so culture became the thing. They wanted to learn about other people, and they had all this information. And so Paul, because he was writing to these people, 
He recognized that they were caught up in their culture, so he decided to quote it. And part of this verse is a quote from a saying. It's like sharing a bumper sticker from the day with the people. It says, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Another translation says, um, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. One of my favorite verses of scripture, because I, I think it says uh, I can be involved in a lot of things, but nothing, nothing will be bigger in me than the power of Christ at work on me. And that takes a lot of work. I don't want to be mastered by addictions to, to food or to money or to hobbies or to self or, or to one of these. Do you, do you know there's actually a new phobia listed? It's called nomophobia. If you break that down, it's nomophobia. <laughs> People are, are, are just, it's, it's literally it's the definition. If you can look it up, don't do it now. Um, <laughs> it, it's a fear of, being, uh, of not being connected through your mobile device. It's a thing. <laughs> Who would have thought? But uh, again, I told you I was, I was prepping for this message and thinking through. So Thursday, I come to work. I'm carrying all this stuff. We had a golf outing, which was a wonderful success. Thank you for those of you who participated or helped us in some way or shape. But I come carrying all this stuff, briefcase, you know, coffee, water bottle, you know, signs, all this stuff. And I'm hooking the door with my pinky, shoving, getting through, get all the way up to my office and I'm offloading all the stuff, running and putting it in different places. And I get to the, back to my desk and I put everything away and then I do what I always do. Maybe some of you do this too. I wrote this already. I was making fun of those people. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, where did I put my phone? <laughs> I walk through the, uh, the, through the building. I start looking in places where I unpacked stuff and put things away. And I'm looking in the boxes like maybe it fell into this taped shut box, really rich. Opening boxes, looking through stuff. I, I retrace my steps. Yeah, I don't know. I'm walking through the, <laughs> looking in the car, in the parking lot, trying to find it. You know, where's it? Look at my car. Unlock the car. I'm between the seats. I'm like, man, what am I going to do? I have a meeting, so I have to run back in and do this meeting. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I, I, <laughs> this guy that I'm, I met with is probably thinking, that is one weird dude. Because I probably had this glazed over, like, I don't know what time it is. I don't have <laughs> somebody might be texting me. <laughs> There's a new food update on Facebook. I don't, what am I going to do? 66% of people have extreme anxiety when they lose connection. The battery fails. Phone's not with them. Those who are 18 to 24, that number jumps to 76%. Here, here's some more stats. I think these are in your bulletin. 58% uh, of people don't go one waking hour without checking their phone. 
One study said the average American checks their phone 150 times in a day. Uh, 59% of you check your email as soon as it comes in. 100% of you probably have one of those annoying little ringtone thingies when your your mail comes in. Please change that. Just that has nothing to do with the message, but you're you're bothering people. <clears throat> According to the survey, uh, 89% of people check their email on their mobile device daily on vacation. It's paid vacation. You're you're, look, you're looking at your phone. Uh, teens. The study says 80% of you sleep with your phone. Right. Playing music, it's making noise so you can go to sleep, right? It's always happening in nomophobia. We'll freak out without our phone. Okay, gut check. We, we won't have you raise your hands. <clears throat> How many of you don't raise your hands? Last thing you do before you go to bed. First thing you do when you wake up, Right? Wow. There are apps that actually measure how much phone usage that you're doing. So if you, if you think you might have a problem, you probably do. If you're certain you don't have a problem, you either have a flip phone or you're in denial. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> so figure out what it is that's, that's distracting. Here, here's what's happening. We have lost the ability to shut down, to chill. The default is, I'm not doing anything, <laughs> so there's Candy Crush, <laughs> right? Or, or I can watch a movie, or, or f- see where somebody is posting feet pictures from the beach, or, or, right? We can find something to do because I'm bored. I'm bored. My attention span is this long. Our minds aren't shutting down. We're constantly distracted and have lost fact that it is happening. We work for long stretches thinking that we're being productive, but not realizing that we checked something, right? You ever done this? You, 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 somebody sends you a little thing and it's got a video, and so you watch the video. <laughs> and, oh, they're queuing up another video, and it's, it's like cats. <laughs> and so you're just watching the next video and the next video, and you've, you've gone down the YouTube rabbit hole, 90 minutes later, you look at the actual time, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I've got to get back to, to work, work, right? We don't recognize what's happening. Well, sometimes we need to be distracted. Everybody acknowledges the fact that their bodies need rest, right? You need to sleep. Some people say eight hours a day. If I sleep eight hours a day, I'm going to look like I'm hungover for the next day. It's too much for me. So six is right, six or seven, really good for me. It works for me. We all know we need sleep. I want to put out there for you to process. Our soul needs rest. And it's not unconscious. That doesn't count, you know, the time that you're, 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 you're unconscious Our souls need to be disconnected from distractions long enough to find peace, to experience solitude. And if our hands are too full to carry the purposes of God, we're doing it wrong. 
We're doing it wrong. But I've got good news. God has special rest for you. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, we read, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. It's a creation reference. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example, their example of disobedience. Now, to get what the Bible's saying, you've got to remember context. It helps me understand the words that I'm reading. The book of Hebrews was written to what kind of what, what nationality of people? Hebrew, Jewish people, right? That's, that's the Hebrews. They understand this idea of Sabbath, Sabbat. They get it. Well, before Sabbat was uh, uh, one of the Ten Commandments, n- number four, for those of you who are curious, um, before it became a command, it was a model. It was an implied practice. Speaking of the rhythm of life that God showed us when he made us in creation. Six days, he did the work of creation. And on the seventh day, the Bible said he rested. Now, it was, he wasn't tired. <laughs> you know, It wasn't a, a thing that he needed to do because he was tired. He made us. He built us. He wired us. He knows us. And he thought... If they try to work like me, it'll kill them. Stop. So in the first week of history, God builds the rhythm into life. The rhythm of rest. Work hard and then stop. Because in the, b- before it became a rule, <clears throat> it was an implied practice to take a look around. That's what God did. He looked at all the stuff he made and said, this is pretty good. (laughs) When's the last time you did that? That you stopped and took a look around. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Whose example of disobedience? Remember we're talking about Jewish people, those the people that were wandering in the desert? Yeah, them. Don't, don't live life like those people in constant pursuit of, of what everybody else has around me and forgetting to pursue the God who, who called me, who created me, who loves me. I love the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Jesus just broadcasts the invitation to everybody. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, there's a, there's a bunch of meat in this passage. Come to me implies there's work for you to do if you want this rest. You have to do something. You have to come to Jesus And he'll do what he's asking. But then verse 29 is a reference to work. Take my yoke upon you. Jesus wasn't afraid of work. As a matter of fact, this is kind of saying, hey, I've drawn the lines in the right place. 
And so if you want to work hard and have something to show for it and enjoy the life, enjoy the fulfillment of your purpose, do what I'm doing. Do it like me. It's not this, you know, call to beach chairs and, uh, you know, that'd be awesome. But it's not the call because we got to do work. There's things that we need to do. But Jesus said you just have to have perspective, you have to have boundaries, you have to have practices that are built in that reflect the image of God and the way he's shown us. So how, how do we find this rest? This is the application part. The rubber hits the road. This is where you do what God is leading you do, to do or you just keep doing life like you've been doing. And as Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? Do, do you, you like how everything's going? It's, it's fine. You have a sense of satisfaction, a sense of peace. T tune out. Watch a cat video. Just turn the volume really far down. But for the rest of us, what do we do to get this rest? How do we learn from Jesus? Remember, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Pay attention to the example that I am setting because if you practice what I'm preaching and doing, you'll find rest for your souls. Well, two practical thoughts. They're very, very simple. Nothing that's going to make you, uh, you know, feel the need to put me on uh, Instagram or anything. But uh, the first is very simple. Be still. Be still. I'm going to encourage you to learn the discipline of being still, disconnected and still. David wrote in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. How hard is that? Right? Be still. Uh, again, David wrote in Psalm 131 verse 2, But I have stilled and quieted my soul. Did you see that? I have stilled and quieted my soul. He took action. It, it wasn't an accident. He didn't just find himself. You know, the internet was down. TV wasn't working. So here I am alone with nothing to do. So I'm quiet. And he took the action and the steps to quiet his soul. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child from its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. How do you do with still, with quiet? There's a composer uh, named David Cage, or John Cage, I'm sorry. Uh, John Cage uh, composed music in the late 30s, 40s, 50s. I mean, he got real busy and was pretty, pretty famous. I'd never heard of him. Um, he had written a piece in 1952 that was called 433. So uh, he uh, asked a virtuoso pianist named David Tudor to perform his piece for the very first time. And uh, the story is that uh, Mr. Tudor walks out to this grand piano. I'm sure he flipped his tails, sat down opened the lid of the piano and for 30 seconds he did nothing and then he shut the piano he opens the piano up again and 
music, two and a half minutes, zippity doodah. He just sits there, closes the, the keyboard, keyboard up, four minutes and 33 seconds of silence. I didn't know you could get paid for doing that, <laughs> right? But it was uncomfortable. There were people in the crowd. Some of them were, were, were musical and artsy, and, and some of them probably had their wife drag them there, and, and I would have been the guy going, seriously, we paid for this? What? <laughs> but there were people that, that kind of got it. They, they understood his point. Just, just listen for a second. You begin to hear your environment. And I think part of the problem with Christ followers is that we're so busy and we're making so much noise, we have no idea what's going on in the world around us. We're tuned out to our environment because we can't even hear it. Be still. Be still. Try and do something, uh, uh, try and do nothing, actually, for five minutes and see what you get. I, I know my honest, easy answer is asleep, probably. <laughs> because <laughs> that long of, of quiet, and man, my brain just defaults to off. But being still, biblically speaking, isn't just going to sleep. It's, it's slowing down that you might be able to hear from heaven. So, so how do we go about pulling this off? You're going to have to remove distractions. You're going to have to position yourself so that you can clear your mind. You're going to have to get ready for the quiet time before the quiet time starts so that you'll be able to stay on task. But in the silence, we'll be able to contemplate the goodness of God and simply to be still and know that he is God. Just let it breathe. It's a gift, solitude, peace. But we don't want it. We want engagement and stimulation and noise because I think sometimes we're maybe just a little afraid of what we might learn. Be still and know who he is. Be still and embrace his goodness. Be still and enjoy the beauty of a moment alone with God. I want to encourage you to try that this week. Every day, put it on your calendar. Go ahead. I'll wait five minutes a day to just be quiet on purpose for God. So I guess there is a purpose. And hear what he has to say. Second thing I'm going to encourage you to do is really important. <clears throat> You've got to be still, and I need you to make a plan. Make a plan. Proverbs 13, 16 says, A wise man thinks ahead, and a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. I'm just going to wing it. <laughs> Idiot, <clears throat> right? Sometimes it just doesn't work out. I want to tell you, the rate that we're running through life is costing us something. It's hurting relationships. It is a barrier between actual intimacy with God 
it's a distraction from raising your kids. Sometimes it, it makes you feel like your kids are the distraction. It will build a wedge and a wall between you and your spouse. And over time, if you don't get rid of it, it will control you. So make a plan. If this is a problem, acknowledge it and call it, <clears throat> call it what it is. So if you're going to have a plan in your notes, you should see uh, two, two little lines. You have to have a defensive plan and an offensive plan. Every team uh, is going to have to have a good defense. If you want to win a game, you've got to score some points. So it's an offensive plan. So first, the defensive plan. Uh, I, I don't have to fill in the blanks for you. You've got to do this on your own. But, but how do I do this? How do I fill this in? What things are supposed to be on the list? You, you have to decide what goes in the list. Where are you weak? What are the things that cause you to be vulnerable and fall? What are the things that distract you? I want to encourage you to build this list with the help of people who love you. If you're married, you need to talk to your spouse. Spouses, don't see this as an opportunity to unload your gun. <laughs> talk about the truth. If you're talking with friends, friends, be honest. Don't just powder puff everything and make them think that they're great. They're coming and are asking you for help, so give it to them. If you know them, tell them the truth. Lovingly, but tell them the truth. Your defensive plan may start with having times of, of quiet where I, on purpose, walk away from my phone. Uh, for me, one of those things that I have done intentionally as of the last few months, is I've left the TV off. I am a TV junkie. I like the old shows. I like science fiction. I like war movies. I, I like documentaries. I like it all. I like to sit and watch, and it keeps me from doing things that really matter sometimes. So I turn it off. Whatever it is, it's your rule. You've got to put some things on the board and stick to them. Identify the things that are separating you from where you want to be and do something about it. Some of us, our, our defense plan might include something about our calendar. Where's the line? How much is enough? D does your family realize if they were to get your calendar and look at it that they are a priority? The, the last Friday of the month... At 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm off on Fridays, um, Kim and I sit down and we do our calendar meeting, and she sees what I've got coming and the things that I'm thinking about, and I know what she needs me to do, and we work it all out, and it's just a tiny little step to say to her, you are my priority. Maybe you need to do something like that. Maybe you need to look at your calendar and recognize that you have more to do in a single day than a mere human being could possibly accomplish in a, in, a, in, a, in a week. And I want to challenge you. God is not calling you to chaos. It's not his fault that your calendar looks like it does. It's, it's ours. Again, are your hands too full to carry the purposes of God? If they are, we're doing it wrong. For some of you, it might be a social media break. You know, where you 
just stop. You go on vacation, you don't look at it. For five, six, seven days, the focus of your attention are the people who are geographically present with you. And all God's people said, amen. And at dinner talking with somebody and they're like, seriously, I'm right here. <laughs> I'm right here. How are we going to get a grip on what's happened? Because everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. I can do anything I want, but I will be mastered by nothing. You know, if I could send a word, a shout out to the Apostle Paul, I think I would say, you know, I'm going to be mastered by Jesus. How about that? That's going to accomplish in me what he wants to accomplish in me. So we have a defensive plan. We write down just three things that are the biggest obstacles between where I am and where I believe God wants me to be. Now we need an offensive plan. These are the things I don't want to do. Offense is the things that you want to do. For, for me, this is a primary tool for relating to God. I've got his phone number. If you'll take out your... No, my Bible app. I couldn't tell you. As a matter of fact, this morning when I was coming down to, to speak, I actually looked for my physical Bible. It's blue leatherette, and it's about this thick. And so I have no idea where it is. Don't worry about Pastor Rich. I read the YouVersion Bible app. It's with me everywhere I go. So on your offensive plan, what are you doing getting in God's Word? First thing in the morning is, is time with, well, maybe, maybe the second thing because you need the bathroom trip. And for some of you, it would probably be the bathroom trip and then the coffee and then your, your quiet time. But, I mean, way up there at the top, you need to dial it in for the day. Now, uh, let's, let's see the hands of all the, the morning people. You guys, kill me. Night people, yeah, see the difference? See the difference? The night people, yeah, that's me. Night people. Um, I, I used to say I don't do my quiet time in the morning because I'm a night person, so I'm going to give God. And you know what happens sometimes? I found myself in my bed. So one of those disciplines that I'm doing, part of my offensive plan, is in the morning. That means I have to roll my tail up out of the bed a little bit earlier and give God some of that time. And you know what I'm starting to see? As opposed to doing it at night and doing it in the morning, and doing it in the morning, it's just, just like this perspective. And I see things a little more clearly. And I, and I get the purpose, and my responses are a little bit more like, I think, what Jesus would want them to be. You know, we've got to find a way to dial into the things of God. And you need one of those things that's non-negotiable. It has to be his word. Another one of those things that's non-negotiable. It has to be your conversation with him. It has to happen. Well, it's awkward. I know. It's, get over it. Get past it. Because the more that you talk with God, the more comfortable you feel talking with God. The more that you get comfortable talking with God, the more that you're going to hear from heaven. 
You're going to hear it through his word. You're going to hear it through people who love him. You're going to hear it through music. You're going to see it in nature. You're going to hear from heaven. But to get there, you've got to be still, and you've got to give him the chance to, to say what he's going to say. So here's the closing. Wrapping it up. Every week, part of our response to the truth of God's word is what we do to remember what Jesus has done. That opportunity for us to come again and recognize his gift to us. As our men get ready for serving us our, 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 our time of communion, I want you to think about what he is going to do to you if you will let him. In, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse 16, here's what it says. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Pay attention. You're at a place where you have to choose. Look. Ask for the ancient paths. You see, the truth of the matter is that there might be an ancient way that is higher and more effective than new technology. If fasting sounds like a method to run, you, you've missed it. But a time to, to separate yourself from something with the purpose of, of understanding who God is, to do without something and focus on your relationship with God. Fasting, prayer, solitude, seeking the goodness of God. So you're at the crossroads and you're looking and you're asking, ask where the good way is. Which way should I go? Which way is best? Which way is right? And walk in it. It's that easy. It's identifying the truth and living there. You see, the, uh, I heard a long time ago somebody said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because those distractions become obstacles, they become barriers that hold us back from the purposes of God. And so right now, we're getting ready to take that little piece of bread and that little cup of juice that remind us of the call that God's put on our life. And he wants to give us rest. And rest is not being unconscious and asleep. Rest is saying, I'm content where I am. It's good. God wants us to live in that moment. He wants it so desperately for, it, for us. His son paid the price to buy us back. And because of the great gift that we're now ready to, to receive, we can have not only forgiveness of our sins, but we can have the rest 
that our soul is crying out for. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. That's where the rest is. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we recognize right now the thing that you've called us to is good. It's not overwhelming. It's not overworked. It's not distracted. It's not separated from you. God, your purpose is to build your kingdom, to love us, and to help us feel fulfilled. And so, God, just now, as we remember the gift, as we stand at the crossroad and look, we see Jesus, that ancient way, that right way. God, help us to find him and to walk with him. We love you, Lord. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this gift. We thank you for changing our hearts. And today with this truth from Hebrews, change our minds. We ask it in Jesus' name.